0: The text for this morning's message is found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 34. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day.
1: There are some kings who find it very effective to keep their subjects under constant anxiety. They build their thrones upon the worries of their people. If you can keep the people worrying about where their next meal is coming from, then they might be more submissive, they might be more ready to do the bidding of the king and get their food from his storehouse if things may go bad in the economy. Anxiety keeps them in their place. Fear makes the monarchy firm. One of the great things about Jesus is that as king, he does not want his people to be anxious. The main point of today's text that Tom just read is that God does not secure his kingship by keeping his people anxious or worried. On the contrary, the aim of his kingship is to free us from anxiety. He doesn't. Need to exalt himself upon the anxieties of his people. Instead, he exalts his power and his superiority over us by being the one who can free us from all of our fears. So this morning, if you are born again, if you are following Jesus as Lord in the obedience of faith, his will for you is that you not be anxious about anything. Matthew 6, 24 to 34 is written precisely for you. And it's to help you overcome whatever it is this morning that's making you feel anxiety. Now, to be candid, I must admit that I have chosen this text... For myself. Because every time I come back from vacation, I feel anxious. I feel just like I used to as a kid, well, right on up through college, in fact, after a long summer beginning school. And I wondered if I could remember how to write. Or I wondered if that new teacher would have a lot of oral book reviews planned. I hated oral book reviews. And there were all kinds of knots in my stomach as I began school from first grade till senior in college. So here I come back from five weeks away and I feel all the same things again. Will I remember how to pastor? How do you do it? But I have to be further honest and say that my struggles with anxiety aren't just at the end of vacation. I wake up anxious every morning. Now you think that's crazy maybe if you don't have that. Maybe you go to bed anxious. I do not go to bed anxious. I wake up anxious every morning. Could be some quirk of my personality or some lopsided parental upbringing or... More than likely because I sin every day. Whatever it is, I hate it. It's real and I have to grapple with it and fight the fight of faith every morning all over again with the word of God and prayer. And I know this sermon is not only for me but for others because I got a letter in the mail last week from a young woman who in another state broke off a relationship with a man because he would not take any spiritual leadership in their relationship. And she wrote at the end of her letter like this, I want so to live a life that honors God. And it was easy to go off for a while in a dream thinking of being a wife and mother. But without a man who truly relies on God, it is nothing, only heartache. Sometimes I lose hope that there are men who really do live like that. But I know there are. So I will continue to trust in God's best for me. There are a lot of young people who worry about marriage. And whether they ever will get married. Got another letter last week from David Yeager, one of our missionaries to Liberia. And David was very honest in the letter about the struggles of ministering to the Gola people in Tarkpoima, the village where they've moved in very simple surroundings. He wrote, As I look to the future of our work here in Liberia, I feel very anxious. I wonder if the Muslims will listen to our explanations with an open heart. Will they believe? I worry about the handful of believers here. Will they change their their ways and walk in obedience? Language study is a continual source of anxiety, as is preparation for Bible studies and sermons. Missionaries get anxious. Young people get anxious. Pastors get anxious. You get anxious. Everybody gets anxious. We need, don't we, a word from the Lord Jesus this morning to remind us that His kingship is not built on the anxiety of His people. It is intended to deliver His people from anxiety of all kinds. Just that word from the Lord has a great tendency to give me peace. But if you add to that word that he doesn't want you anxious, all the reasons that he gives in his word, why you shouldn't be anxious, that word becomes very powerful. There are eight of them in this text. We're going to look at them briefly. But first, let's focus on the main point. Everybody who read the text with Tom can see the main point. Verse 25. Do not be anxious about your life. Verse 31. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. So one thing should ring in your ears when you walk out of here this morning. Jesus does not want you to. To feel anxious today or tomorrow. He wants you to have peace and confidence and joy and serenity. That's His will for you. And that's encouraging. But that's the negative way of saying the main point in this passage. There is a positive way of saying it, namely verse 33, where it says, "...instead of getting anxious, you should seek God's kingdom first. In other words, whenever you think about your food or your clothes or your spouse or your job or your mission, instead of being anxious, you should make God king in that affair and in that moment. I believe seeking the kingdom first means in everything you do, you reckon God to be king and you count on his kingly power to help you. And you rest in him and get rid of your anxiety, whatever it is you're doing. It's a thrilling way to live, to seek his kingdom first. It's full of freedom and peace and joy and adventure. And as David Yeager would hasten to say, hardship. And it's worth it. It's worth it all. Now. There are eight reasons here, and I want to share them with you. Eight reasons why Jesus says you, as his disciple, shouldn't feel anxious. Number one, verse 25. Do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Why? Because life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Now, what does that mean? How does that help us? I posed myself this question. Why do we tend to get anxious about food and clothing? And I thought that the reason is this. There are three things that you would lose if you lost all your food and clothing. Number one, you would lose some pleasure. Everybody here enjoys eating, probably. Things taste good. Mealtime is fun. Second, you get some approval and some admiring glances if you have nice clothes. And admiring glances feel good. You'd lose that if you only had rags. Third, if you had no food or in a Minnesota winter, no clothes, you would die. And the extension of your life would be lost. And we don't want the extension of our life to be cut short. We want to keep on living. And so we get anxious about food and clothing because we don't want to lose physical pleasures. We don't want to lose the approval of men. And we don't want our life to be cut short. And Jesus responds to this anxiety with these words. If you are gripped by anxiety over these things, you have lost sight of the great things of life. Life was not primarily given for physical pleasures, but for something greater, delight in God. Life was not primarily given for the approval of men, but for something greater, the approval of God. Life was not primarily given even to be extended on this earth, but for something greater, eternity with God in the age to come. So we shouldn't be anxious about food and clothing because they cannot provide the great things in life, the enjoyment of God, the pursuit of His gracious favor, and the hope of eternity with Him in the age to come. We get anxious about food and clothing to the same degree that we lose sight of the great purposes of a God-centered life. And we shouldn't lose sight of them. Second reason we shouldn't get anxious. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What do you see when you look at a a bird? You do not see a lesson in laziness. Birds pull their worms and snatch their bugs and pad their nests with strings and leaves and pine needles all day long. Workaholics they are, in a sense. But Jesus says, God feeds the birds. So what do you see when you look at a bird? What you see is a creature who does not act as though God is only merciful for today, but won't be tomorrow. Birds do not hoard things for the day of God's demise. They go about their work as if when the sun comes up tomorrow, God will still be God. And as they go about their anxiety-free work, He will provide. How much more then should we reckon with the reality And the mercy of God tomorrow, who are not brute birds, but disciples. You know what the biggest difference between a bird and a disciple of Jesus is? Disciples of Jesus have the capacity of honoring God by their faith. And God values your faith. You are more valuable than the birds if you trust your Heavenly Father. And therefore, can we not learn from the birds who are of less value and fed by God not to be anxious in our work, but to go about it with the confidence that God will feed us today and tomorrow? Third reason why we shouldn't be anxious. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? Now here Jesus sort of comes down to the level of common sense and says, it's no use being anxious. That's the reason why you shouldn't be anxious. It doesn't help any. Whatever problem this morning is making you feel anxiety, one thing is sure, feeling anxiety won't help you solve the problem. In fact, it just makes you miserable while you work on it. So he's just appealing to something everybody knows by common sense, Anxiety gets you nowhere but further into the hole. So scrap it and work on your problems without anxiety. Fourth reason. Verses 28 to 30. This time from the lilies. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? When you look at a lily in the field, which has no will of its own to labor or to spin, and yet is adorned with beautiful color and form, if you believe in God, you must conclude at least this. God delights to adorn things. Right? What else can you conclude if you believe in God? God delights to adorn things. And he argues, the Lord, if this delight that God has to adorn things expresses itself by adorning grass which today is here and tomorrow is gone, is there not a very high likelihood that his delight in adornment will also express itself in the way he clothes his disciples whom he loves with all his heart? Now someone will protest. He has not clothed me. And he has not clothed with adornment the poor Christians of this land or the third world. So this is a phony argument. Are you sure? Very few of us are dressed like Solomon. True. We couldn't do our work if we were. I ask you this question only. Where have you ever seen A disciple of the Lord who did not have the adornment needed to do what God called him to do. Be careful here. Do not measure the perfection of God's provision by standards lower than His calling. And remember this, when we are done carrying our cross in this life on torn shoulders with the Lord Jesus, there will be robes of glory for us all. Fifth and sixth reason are found in verse 32. We shouldn't be anxious about what we eat or drink because the Gentiles seek all these things. That's number five. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. That's number six. Anxiety about the things of the world puts you on the level of the world of unbelievers. And you shouldn't be there. Anxiety about the things of the world shows that the same things make you happy that make the world happy. And that ought not to be so. It also shows when you're anxious that you don't think your father knows what you need. Or worse, that you don't think he is a loving father who will care for you. Anxiety shows that we are too close to the world and too far from God. And we ought not to be so close to the world and we ought not to be so far from God, and therefore, we ought not to be anxious. The seventh reason is found in verse 33. When you seek the kingdom of God first, He works for you to provide your needs. The best reason for not being anxious is that when you stop being anxious for yourself, God starts being anxious for you. If you will put your anxiety motor into neutral God will put his motor into dry for you it is so strange and so puzzling that we are so prone to want to carry anxious burdens which the Lord himself has sworn to carry for us if we will but acknowledge his kingly power in every situation it is a strange disease we hate it and we do it And finally, the last argument is verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. Now those of you who are Swedish and know the hymnology that we often sing should hear some good Swedish theology in this verse gives unto each day its part of pain and pleasure. You believe that? God apportions out for today some pain, tomorrow some pain, and the day after that some pain, or call it trouble like Jesus does. And what Jesus says we must not do is misappropriate tomorrow's pain. By drawing it into today in the form of anxiety. Every day has its share of troubles. Jesus has appointed it to be so for our good and our sanctification. He promises, as your days, so shall your strength be. He has not promised that you have strength today to carry tomorrow's burdens, troubles, or pains. And therefore, if you misappropriate his appropriations for tomorrow by hoarding them into today in the form of anxiety, you can count on it, you won't be able to bear them. So the argument is, take a day at a time, let tomorrow's troubles take care of themselves. When you wake up tomorrow, God will be God. So the main point of the passage is clear and I hope we all take it away and it rings in our ears all afternoon and tomorrow when you get up and have to do battle with your feelings of anxiety. Jesus does not want His people to be anxious. That's the main point. And it's refreshing. He does not secure His kingdom by keeping His subjects in a state of worry. On the contrary, verse 33 makes it very plain. The more primary, the more central You make His kingship in your life, the more He engages all His power to work for you and free you from anxiety. So I close with this admonition and this plea. Come to Jesus this morning. Forsake all other allegiances. Take an oath of loyalty to the King of Kings and make Him the sovereign In every situation, first, because it's the only way to be free from anxiety.